again to waxing the porpoise uh we're here on episode 15 now covering uh 1974's seminal chinatown uh which is obviously a first time watch for steve i'm really looking forward to rapping about this one um you're joined by myself g babe jim g baby uh, as as always joined by the usual suspect steve how are you friend Jim, good to see you. Doing well. How are you? Doing good. I'm a little worse for wear, but I feel a second wind coming on. What's oh, going on? I just it was just a busy, busy day today. Mm. I'm died, fried, and laid by the side, man. <laughs> <laughs> Went to yeah. Home Depot. Uh, we're gonna go to Bed Bath and Beyond. We just didn't have time. Yeah, I dug some, po- some post holes today. Um, Ooh, you got some got a new fence going in or well it's kind of lame because of that storm i uh i went and it's harder than just digging new holes because it basically like shore off the fucking fence like at ground level the four by four posts so i'm like navigating chipping away and working around the post because i want it to stay in line and like the fence panels that go in line up perfectly to those posts anyway it's a real bitch having to go through are they um thick ass clay are they... and then chunks of like bedrock and like or uh gravel and like cement from like cement mix from the last people that installed it so it's okay fucking, yeah it's pretty rough sledding man <laughs> yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask if it was like a big ass chunk of concrete down there i, I had to do something similar a couple of years ago and it was it was brutal yeah like i'm taking i'm there's points where i'm i'm getting my fucking um like i i had like a rasp is the only like metal i should have bought like a part piece of rebar or something from lowe's when i was there but i'm like taking like a mallet and like getting chunks out here and there oh god like because there's some like really thick like clay shit and then yeah i don't know how these what these people did but it's like they filled it with like clay kind of like some sediment just regular dirt and i'm just now i'm at like 18 or 20 inches and i'm just now getting to like this little bulb of like cement that they used so it's like they use like a dollop at the very bottom when they set these fucking posts which to me is like outlandish so getting down there is like Anyway, this is probably boring people to fucking tears. I, <laughs> I'm tired, but uh, I fucking I'm I'm catching a second wind right now. So looking nice. forward to talking about this. And I I got some uh, some local Indiana bourbon, some single barrel. It's the Kroger Steward Selection. So I'm pretty. This is an art of this is the artificial uh, second wind. But you're not right wait. So it's not like a Kroger store no, no, brand. No, no, no. no it was it okay. was 
identified by Kroger <laughs> as being worthy of putting their stewards. I have this uh, limited release Rayleigh's <laughs> bourbon here. I don't no, know if Rayleigh's is nationwide. Actually, shout out to uh, Cardinal Spirits here in Indiana. Uh, we're not sponsored, but I would I would take a a fifth of their finest liquor um, <laughs> for promotional. But no, yeah, that's just it's just really good. I had some on Fourth of July while I was grilling. I had about two fingers of whis- of this whiskey. Oh my god, dude! I was just gonna say the Pee Wee Her- the Pee Wee Herman word of the day. There should be like a clock behind you that's like. There's no way he's going to go more than 30 more seconds without referring to a, a, a unit of measure as a finger when it relates to whiskey. <laughs> Such a dipshit. See, I heard it somewhere. You, I'm just like, oh, man, that's awesome. Um, didn't you I'm ask for that, that in a bar one time and the I bartender did. was like, yeah, okay, fucker. Yeah, actually, <laughs> in your, your neck of the woods, the I went to a, uh, uh, a casino in... Uh, the northern the northern state there and uh, yeah i thought it was slick shit and i was like yeah i'll uh i'll have three fingers of your finest bourbon and she's like so you want a triple shot and i was like <laughs> yeah whatever yeah, yeah whatever whatever you feel you feel like yeah yeah and i was like as she just drains the like bar mat into a glass for you yeah. like here you go buddy <laughs> and i was like way too old to be pulling that kind of stuff like like immediately. Or a hundred years too young. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when that, that saying originated. Anywho, this shit on 4th of July I was barbecuing and I had about two fingers uh, and I was fucking zooted, man. Like, I was like... You were gorked? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, and Kroger. And I got a Fitz's... What is that? Key lime soda backer. Oh, uh, okay. So we'll see. <laughs> I thought that was like a 12-ounce a bottle of pickle juice or something. That shit's bomb, too. Remember uh, Barker's talked about that? Pickleback? Yeah, I don't, I don't specifically little... remember him talking about that. I, there, there was a funny story with him I was just thinking about. We were in a bar one time. It's a long story, but it was when he was still under 21 and had this fake idea that he was trying to get a lot of mileage out of. <laughs> and he asked, he asked the bartender... Like, how much for a double shot of Crown? And this bar was super expensive. And I think she's like 38 bucks or something. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, okay, let me just get a double shot of Jack Daniels. And she's just like, okay, don't throw up on my bar. And then when the tab came, it was $36. <laughs> like, good job on saving $2. Yeah. <laughs> I'll don't throw up on my bar. Yeah. Um, didn't one place too he went i don't know if you were with him this time but uh he was underage and they were like yeah let me see your id he's like oh pull the it's up in my room and so this this was on a work trip why how old are you 10 <laughs> there was let's see i think six of us including our boss and so the boss orders like let me get a a sam adams and a maker's mark a shot of maker's mark and everyone goes around the table like, yeah, fuck it, why not? Give me the same thing. And then it gets around to him. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll get the same thing too. <laughs> and so she's she's like, okay, yeah, no problem. And then she starts back at the beginning of the circle and is like, all right, let me just see your guys' ID, IDs real quick. So she's going around the circle. And I look over and I can see him getting nervous as she's getting closer and closer yeah. to him because he's, <laughs> he's got this fake ID. But he doesn't want to necessarily pull it out in front of his boss on a work trip. 
because he'd probably be like, what the fuck are you doing? You're 19 or, or whatever. Why does it so, say Ron Mexico on it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so the lady gets around to him, and he's like, I'll just have water. And she's like, wait, I thought you, just like everybody else, want, I thought you, you know, she's confused. Like, I thought you wanted the same as these guys. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just have water. Change yeah, my it's mind. A, it's a good early day tomorrow. Yeah, it's a good, you know. Yeah, it's a good thing he didn't get caught with a fake ID too, because he was in an airport like after security. <laughs> yeah, that could have been a, that could have snowballed into a whole other kettle of fish. <laughs> He's on a no fly list now, and yeah, it was any any hoozles. Uh, yeah, what's what's new with you? In uh, not a whole lot. Had to had to take the the cat to the vet a couple times in the last few weeks nothing too crazy we just took her once for a checkup and then once for another little, little follow-up test because she's uh she's officially a senior so we're uh, giving her some extra tests but that's okay she's not really happy with her parents right now but she'll come around <laughs> it's funny uh how old is she now speaking of she is 12 damn yeah that's crazy you've yeah. her that long all right um oh yeah Go- going back to the uh you got to help me think of a name. I want to get to like kind of, it was funny. Your, what was it? Your peewee's uh, word of the day. Yeah. Something like that, like phrase, maybe that'll even stand in for it, but um, we got to get like a sound bump or something, but I don't have any new lingo right now. I thought I would, I would start us off old school. And have you ever heard the expression when it's raining really hard for someone to say it, it's, it's raining like a cow pissing on a flat rock? No. You never heard that? No. Okay. That's an oldie, but goldie. That's probably top five. I don't know. What is that? Idiom? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. A cow pissing on a flat rock. It's huge. The cow. It's got like a full bladder and it's just pissing straight down on a flat rock. So it's just like a lot of rain and maybe you're in like, you know, you're a flatlander. You're in the valley. And so there's maybe it causes a flash flood or... (laughs) There's just a lot of water on the ground too. It would be funny. We should just edit everything. Everything said. <laughs> it would be funny to have. Like, I, I edit heavily, so if, if if one day down the line this becomes like more interactive or something like before an episode where I know what's gonna tickle your like little yes. brain sensors to release uh like a bingo card that you can't see, but for other people at home to listen to, like, oh, yep, he mentioned fingers of whiskey. That's going to be the middle square. Or change it to be relevant to whatever the topic of the week is. See if I hit bingo at the end of an episode. Yeah, if something's if something's located in Arkansas, like, oh, God, I guarantee he's going to mention Little Rock being a fine town. Uh, funny you should say. Little Rock's a yep. fine town. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Little Rock. It'd be sacrile- the word sacrilege somewhere in my, yeah. heart, in my heart of hearts. All right. Well, I uh, yeah, that's just uh, as an aside, I wanted to bring up the cow. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm glad yeah. you did. Yeah, I almost forgot, dude. Check this shit out. Oh, you probably can't it's see it on the camera. It's uh, audio podcast uh so you have a neon on air sign we're on air (laughs) (laughs) i shared this on our socials i think uh a week or so ago my old lady's getting into the into the spirit and she 
she gifted the podcast uh, an, a neon oh, nice. LED neon old school old timey like red and blue on air sign like we're in a radio Sweet. booth or something. So I thought that was you could put fun. it like outside the room whenever you're recording. Yeah. So, so daddy like... does angry and hit mommy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so okay. Speaking so, of domestic violence, that'll be a nice little segue right into the movie. Yeah, I don't know if I should save it <laughs> for the end, but um, as you know, I've I've been a victim of domestic violence <laughs> once in the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe I will save it for when we get to that part. Oh God, dude, it's funny. Such and then a... I th- I think about that line from The Hangover, and they're like, "Stu, she beat you." And he's like, that was twice, and I was out of line. And then I chuckle, and I'm like, fuck. I was like, that was me for a quick second there. Um, Bullet dodged. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's let's get into the, the main course here. So we're, we're talking about uh, Chinatown, uh, which was made in 1974, um, directed by infamous Roman Polanski, uh, and stars a in his prime young buck Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Huston, and a smattering of other folks. Um, I have one one fun one to talk about a, a side character, but anywho, yeah, that's the that's the main cast. Um, so this is one you had never seen before. I kind of hyped this one up pretty good. This is like a turning point movie for me to like give older movies a fair shake and kind of got me into. Um, you know, anything but made before the 1970s, which I previously thought was just boring and stupid. Um, so you watched this, uh, when did you watch this? Uh, I finished it like two hours ago. Oh, okay. So it's fresh. Yeah. It's, I'd say it's a good kind of like lazy summer afternoon. It's so fucking hot here, dude. What, what did you think of this one? So I had never... I'd never even heard of this movie until I heard you talking about it years ago. Uh, it's apparently really well known, but not one of those ones that when you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. But, yeah, you would not shut up about this movie for years. And I I'd never just never got around to watching it. Uh, and so I knew nothing about it at all going into it. And I finally just watched it earlier today for the first time. So, I didn't really like it. No, no way. I love, I loved it. Oh, you did? (laughs) Fucking snake. Classic misdirect. I was like, dude, how can you not like this flick? I can. No, it was it was awesome. Cool, awesome. No, it it was awesome. I mean, literally, the only thing I knew about the movie was it's on HBO Max right now. When I clicked on it, it's the like one sentence description, which is something about a 1930s detective investigates something like that's literally the extent of what mm-hmm. I knew about it going into it. Uh, and so I saw that like, wow, that sounds pretty interesting. And yeah, it just had that really cool kind of vibe, like the old school gumshoe. Mm-hmm. The sound, like the soundtrack was awesome, or I guess it was a score or whatever. I don't really know the difference between those two things, but it just had that. Yeah, that really cool uh, feel to it, and yeah, the story was awesome. And I was actually surprised by—I'm sure they've done visual like restoration or whatever—but the 
the video quality was unreal for being almost 50 years old. Yeah. I yeah, wouldn't I'm have guessed sure, it. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know how much of that goes in. I, th- I think it's a little bit of both, like a 50-50. That's like the, the new mediums that are available, like, and the, like the, the high quality, like 1080p and like 4k and blu-ray and all that stuff but i'm pretty sure there's also they have to do like a treatment to the actual thing and Mm -hmm. so it's like a double whammy that's completely flying out of my ass guess um i only have a little bit of an inkling of that because i know there's kind of like boutique um like distributors that go like specifically there's a handful for like horror films they go back and they find stuff that's like out of print just like a book that's out of print Mm -hmm. and they'll get like the rights to it or whatever and then they'll get the i'm assuming the original actual film stock and they do they run it through like printing machines like a press kind of scenario i'm assuming and they actually like uh kind of like uh like with you know painting restorations and bring them back to like life and vibrant and crisp and all that kind of stuff it's from what i understand it's like the same process so i don't know if, if they do that like with every yeah i'd be, curi- I'd be curious like... to hear to like learn more about that because I, I can't even imagine what that process would be like to go through and try to enhance something that's 50 years old because yeah i mean i can just thinking back to movies that were made like in the 90s or the 80s the quality is dog shit compared to Oh yeah, to this one. So they they must have done a lot of painstaking uh, work. So yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to to learn how they did that. But yeah, so those were those were my initial takeaways. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the score because the score is fuck is awesome as shit. That's uh, Jerry Goldsmith, which uh, I didn't come super prepared, but I, he's done a ton of shit. I think he's up there with like a um like a john williams like the dude has done all the star wars and done a bunch of steven Mm -hmm. spielberg things that goldsmith name i've seen in a lot of stuff so he's like he's like a top tier composer and i guess he actually uh a little piece of trivia on that is he i think he slapped that together in like six or seven days or something and it's like Hmm. it's recognized as like one of the better you know, film scores of all time and this and that. But yeah, right from the beginning, that like big ass horn and it kind of lulls you mm-hmm. into like, it feels like it's taking you back to like the thirties, that forties kind of era, like the three piece suit and all the, you picture the old cars and like LA and yeah, it put, it puts you right there. Uh, I feel like, um, cool. That's awesome. I'm Jack that, that you like this movie. Um, so I guess, uh, real quickly, uh, and spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't seen this, I, I think, you know, it's not talked about a ton. And I think part of that, it has to be, you know, the uh, controversy around Roman Polanski being who he is and everything he's involved in. This is one of those ones where I'm, I'm able to, you know, separate the art from the artist. Um, but without getting into all that, I think that's why, like, it's it's recognized. It's on tons of, like, you know, top 100 movie lists of all time and, you know, this and that. And uh, it's, it's highly acclaimed. I just feel like this day and age, it's not, you don't see it talked about or, or thrown around a bunch. Maybe only if you're looking at, like, genre, like, uh, like noir, like, early 30s detective movies, you know, then, then you'll see it, like like up there with number one or like the big sleep um another movie that's uh that movie was actually filmed in like the 40s i think but um 
Yeah, it's got like the Raymond Chandler. Uh, who's that other guy? Philip Marlowe, kind of like detective. That's like the the template or the archetype here. Um, so basically, like, yeah, I guess we'll keep it just short and we'll just start uh, breaking into the movie. But uh, so it stars Jack Nicholson. It's 1937, uh, Los Angeles. He's a private investigator. Uh, goes on to you find out he was a former detective on the police force and a, a good one at that. So he just he basically gets caught up in like water rights, uh, a woman cheating on her or a, a husband cheating on her wife on his wife, and then it kind of spirals out of control. Um, I think that's the best way to leave it. You know, it's just a PI in LA is like just going about his normal life. He's mainly doing you know like infidelity marriage infidelity that's like his bread and butter and then he gets caught up in something that's like really a lot of layers and he gets sucked in uh to all kinds of intrigue so yeah i imagine most of those cheating spouses cheating spouse cases he investigated are pretty straightforward you know like the the first one they show he follows the wife take pictures takes pictures of the wife with the other dude gives it to the husband you know bob's your uncle but then he takes on this other case and it seems like that just on its face and then it, it unravels into this huge conspiracy. I will say real quick as a Californian, it is hilarious to see that it's been 50 years since this movie was made. Uh, what, 80 or 90 years since the setting of this movie. And I'm just glad we've solved all the water problems and corruption problems <laughs> and drought problems in this beautiful state. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very timely. Um, it could be set right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy too because like the things that they fight about and like that are contentious in this movie concerning water rights, it's like between that time and now, it's jumped like they've they's they've caused the desertification of like two or three other regions since then by diverting water down south. I think the one that they touch on in the Dude. movie is the <clears throat> Owens, Owens Valley which used to be like this pristine, like, like really beautiful valley. And they completely sucked it dry of all of its, its water. Now it's a desert. I think like the biggest city there is called Bishop. Have you ever been through Bishop? No, maybe. It sounds familiar. It's just like it, just it's... north of like Death Valley, kind of like Northwest. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like if you were to go back in time and tell those people yeah, in 50 years, we still won't have figured out desalination or at least the politics of getting that through because not, not to get too far into it, but they, they just had one that was proposed down, I want to say like Huntington beach, somewhere near LA where it was, it had been in the works for 15 years or 20 years. And this, this organization had dumped like 10, $20 million into this process because nothing gets done easily down there. It's permits and approvals and committees and all this bullshit. Yeah. I bet that Uh, red tape is unreal. And then at the very end, the Coastal Commission voted 12 nothing. No. Like, no. <laughs> no, thanks. Unanimous. Like, okay, thanks for considering. Like, do we really do we really care about the drought? Or Yeah, it's, it's like L.A. shouldn't have ever existed. It shouldn't have been uh, created there. Uh, it's all completely artificial, um, which is wild because when you look, like if you're on a plane and you like look down, it's just like this gargantuan. I've heard someone say it's like, it looks like mold on a sandwich. Like when you're high enough <laughs> up in a plane, yeah. you know, it's pre- it's crazy how far it reaches out all the way into the, the Inland Empire. It's like towards Riverside, San Bernardino. 
any hoodles. Oh yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so Jack Nicholson, he plays, uh, the private investigator. His name is Jake JJ Giddes. He specializes in cheating, infidelity. Um, so he gets this case and it's Evelyn Mulray. She's actually a fake who comes to him with this, like, oh yeah, my husband's been cheating on me. And, um, that kind of, that opens him up. And I liked at the beginning too, how he was like, you know, your husband's been cheating on you, you think. And then he's like, let me ask you a question. He's like, do you love your husband, Ms. Mulray? And she's like, oh yes. And blah, blah, blah. And he's like, take my advice, go home, sleep on it. And then he's like, have you ever heard the expression, let sleeping dogs lie? And she's like, no, I have to know if he's been cheating on me. And then he's like, oh, all right. Well, what have you got? You know, so it's like hit the way he operates is like you could say he, he's doing it like with a conscience, but it's all a game. Like he's he's got his moves like dialed down to where he's like, no, I'm not fleecing these people. I'm not like an ambulance chaser. They're coming to me with their problems. You know, I like how it set the tone for like the kind of like he's very clever. He's very sharp. You know, he knows what the fuck he's doing. I just like that intro to him. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I kind of took away from that too, because as as I'm learning what this movie is about, I'm like, damn, that actually would be a pretty cool job to have. But when he's asking her, like, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. The, the feeling I got was the uh, the infidelity stuff has probably got to be super boring for that job. You know, I imagine. He would he would much rather do exciting things. So the way I interpreted it was he was like, I don't want another one of these fucking cheating spouse cases. I'd, I'd much rather look into something cool. But yeah, you're right. It does kind of it does kind of convey that he's not just like, all right, this is how much I charge, and yeah, I will, you know. <laughs> Although right after that, when she's like, "Who's your husband?" He's like, "Who's your husband?" She's like, "Hollis Mulray," and he's like his partner behind him, his eyes kind of perk up and he's like, Oh, water and power. Like he's like a high up, like executive level dude. And then it's yeah, like, like, now it know, is something kind of exciting. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll have my secretary drop the papers. So this, this is what enters him into this, uh, kind of octopus of shit that's going on. And to be honest too, I, when I watched this for the first time years ago, I think this takes a couple watches for things to like all the points to really like hit you. At least for me, it did. Cause I remember watching. There's a it. lot going on. Yeah. This is a, it's... yeah. And, and anytime, anytime like the nature of sort of conspiracy stories is there's a lot going on at the same time. It's not cause it's like a what two hour, 10 minute movie. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a two hour and 10 minute long linear storyline. There's lots of, jumping around and kind of spider webbing story that you you kind of have to jump back and forth like oh wait this was the guy who did this and you know you're what you think is happening you go down a certain road and it's like oh no that's not happening it's actually changed there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on so yeah i I was thinking that almost the entire time like man this would probably certainly benefit from a second watch yeah totally like the whole uh like the side plot what what We'll talk about it more when we get there, but like with the orange groves and like the water diversion and like the, uh, I'm still to... not even sure what the, oh fuck, what was it called? The albacore club. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. still not exactly clear what that oh, man. had to do with it. Yeah. We'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get there. Yeah. That that's one too. Like it's like second, third viewing. I'm like, oh fuck. Like you get a little bit more, you, you peel back. A little bit more and you see like oh man it wasn't just about you know 
the incest and like the power struggle between water and like building this dam or not building this dam it goes even further than that um but yeah so that that puts him on this case and then so he starts taking pictures and he he sees this hollis mulray who works for los angeles water and power he's like the main guy um who also too i think uh we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that they kind of grafted some of this film onto like real life. The, the character of Hollis Mulray is kind of like a stand in or a callback to um, what's his name? William Mulholland, who, I mean, that name, especially you've heard Mulholland drive and, you know, that's, that's very much in like the LA zeitgeist. Um, He was a self-educated engineer who was famous for um, the collapse of the St. Francis Dam. So at the very beginning of this film, uh, J.J. Giddes, Jack Nicholson, is sitting in. He's starting to do his early prospecting and researching, and he sees this Hollis Mulray, and they're giving, like, a, a speech. They're, like, the city's calling for they need more water to keep the the city viable um so they need to divert more uh from somewhere else and so they proposed this new dam and the chief engineer at la water and power hollis mulray he gets up and gives a presentation and talks about how you know this is this is no good he's like i won't have any part in it it's it's a flawed plan it's a flawed idea and jj giddes goes on to find out you know like because of the hollis mulray's involvement in the vanderlip dam disaster which is the stand-in for the real life tragedy of the saint francis dam collapse in 1928 killed like 450 people so they just changed the names and then they put they inserted that real life case into chinatown so this guy's gun shy like he he had a really major fuck up so he's like trying to do in his mind i'm assuming everything on the level he's not going to do something unless it's got like an ironclad plan so that's part of the intrigue too and like why um he's a marked man because he's refusing to play ball right so and fun fact the guy who rushes in with all of his sheep Uh uh-huh did you i don't know if you did any trivia on this or did he jump out to you like hey he kind of looks like someone Mm -mm. that is rance howard who is ron howard's dad where he comes in he's like where Uh... where am i supposed to you took all the water you know, you I'm, more of a, I'm more of a Clint Howard guy myself. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a fun fact. But um, yeah, so so he's this Hollis Mulray character. He's refusing to to have part in this dam. So that's kind of off the off the front end of it. I think that's what Jack Nicholson's thinking. Like, oh, okay, this guy's he's into some shit, you know. Um, and then so from there. And I thought that was cool, too, that they grafted on, like, a real-life thing into this film um, and just called it something else. But so uh, next, uh, Jack Nicholson goes, and he's following up on this guy. He's taking pictures. He sees her with he sees him with this younger dame who has a pretty significant role, as we'll get into towards the end. Um, speaking, of, speaking of taking pictures, you are recording, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have asked you 40 minutes ago. Yeah, nice buddy <laughs> check. No, yeah, we're good. Um, so, uh, and then also, sorry to keep doing this, but uh, I thought it was fun. You know uh, Crispin Glover, Back to the Future? I know the name. God damn you. <laughs> one I've of, only uh, ever seen Back to the Future like once or twice. 
God, I've seen that movie so many fucking times. I could probably recite <laughs> it almost from like beginning to end. Uh, one of his, uh, one of Jack Nicholson's uh, associates uh, named Duffy is uh, Crispin Glover's dad, Bruce Glover. But if you see, if you put them side by side, you can see like the familial. I'm more of a Danny Glover guy myself. Yeah, Danny Glover is <laughs> un, unbeaten. It's just been revoked. I guess I, I feel yeah. like I'm talking too so much. I, so I cut you off, when you, were, off? When you were talking about. Uh, sure. Yeah. So he. We can we can fast follow... track this a little bit too, because if we if we just sit here and talk about the entire film like pl- step by step, we're gonna be here for three fucking hours. Yeah. So. He follows a husband, sees sees him with a mistress. It it didn't seem apparently clear to me how exactly those pictures made it into the newspaper, but they made it into the newspaper. Uh, so then the real wife shows up at his office and is like, I'm going to fucking sue you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so that's when we first realized, well, that's not the wife who hired him. Who was, who was it? And so that was the first kind of weird little left turn where it's like, oh, this isn't quite as straightforward as... It appears to be, and so then he, you know, starts following up with trying to follow up with Hollis. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Hollis. Yeah, Hollis. Um, and he ends up interacting with his. Um, the fuck is the name of the guy who also works in that office? Is that Yelburton? Yeah, Russ Yelburton. Yes. Yeah. So he steals a bunch of his business cards, which I thought was a slick move, and then yeah. rep- represents himself as him. Yeah, to get on the investigation a crime scene and, later on. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, so then I guess we could fast forward a little bit. So uh, they find Hollis dead in one of the reservoirs, and now it's just a matter of was it accident, suicide, homicide? So, uh, what do you think of that too? That that like the way it kind of zoomed down and you see him upside down and his eyes are all like popped out of his head, kind of, and like tongues hanging out. That part's like kind of startled me like i wasn't expecting something like that like it's not an overtly scary scene but it's just kind of unexpected yeah it was pretty pretty brutal but yeah i was i was sort of expecting for a moment or two beforehand where they're like well there he is like oh god they're gonna drag his ass out of the water and yeah so he he's he enlists the help of his wife and now it's just like a solid hour and a half of him getting lied to by the wife and everyone else. And he's kind of, kind of got to cut through the bullshit to try to figure out what the truth is. And yeah, if you would have, if you would have told me Faye Dunaway was 33 in this movie, I would not have believed you. If you told me she was 45, I would have, I would have believed it in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's kind of weird. It's like the, the older like generation, they look more grown up, you know, like you kind of hear that like anecdotally here and there, but it's hard not to like buy into it, you know. Yeah, this is empirical. This is case one. Yeah, I had to pause it halfway through because, I mean, he kind of he kind of always looks like he's fifty five. Jack, just Nicholson. different version. Yeah, yeah, he's just so, there I didn't... in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, maybe. I mean, they could get away with casting someone who's fifty to be his age level or whatever and then i looked up i'm like 33 god damn and she's got the teeth of an 80 year old no offense yeah i that's crazy i didn't even know she was that old that's kind of blowing my mind right now i would have for sure if i had to if you somebody asked me i'd be like oh yeah like 40 41 42 yeah damn 
anyway, that's, that's, that's a hard ap- 33. apropos of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but then, yeah, so where do we go from there? I mean, it's kind of I think another... tough to do like a full plot synopsis without getting into all the minutia of the conspiracy, but... Yeah, I, I guess one other thing to, to point out is like the the fact that when Jack Nicholson is spying on this Mulray character, uh, he sees like a tremendous amount of water down this pipe just being like fucking... It's just letting go like thousands tens of thousands of gallons of water right out into the ocean and he's like, oh Whoa. yeah i guess i skipped that part <laughs> he's like what the fuck is this um he's like my three-piece suit uh <laughs> so that happens so that'll come back later in the story like another layer of the conspiracy that he stumbles into but um i guess yeah an- so another- Another part that I really like too is when he's tracking this character, he has this really clever, I mean, cause you got to think too, we're back in the thirties, you know, so there's obviously no smartphones, any GPS shit like that. So like some old school gumshoe stuff that I thought was dope is he has like a fucking, like a bag full of just old shitty pocket watches that work. And he goes and he places a pocket watch, uh, right on like the, uh, the rear tire the back tire yeah and he like he sets it for the time you know uh the current time that it was when he placed it and then um he goes back and checks the next day so when it was run over he knows when that car that he was tracking when it left because it kills the clock right at that point yeah that it it broke the watch uh i thought that was slick as shit i was like oh damn some old school like ingenuity. Yeah, I thought that was super, super cool. Definitely better than just sitting there all night. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's like, "Fuck this steak out! I'll just pull this out of my bag of tricks." Um, so then, I guess, kind of fast tracking. So he he gets farther and farther into this thing, and then he starts. At some point, the relationship kind of changes between him and the real Evelyn Mulray, played by Faye Dunaway. Like she realizes, okay, this guy's not a scumbag, and I don't know. She kind of plays it close to the vest how much she knows of what's going on, but it suddenly becomes real when like the people who are like on to Jack Nicholson, they're like, Hey, this guy's, he's starting to stick his nose and things. So he's, he's starting to like get recognized as like, "Mm, this guy's fucking rooting around and shit. We need to like shut him up or, you know, slap him around, get him off our fucking case. Cause there's some like big shit going on here. It kind of, that, that, uh, target kind of gets placed on Faye Dunaway's character too. So then that kind of brings, I think there's like a car chase scene that kind of brings her and uh, Jack Nicholson together and they're like working together on trying to figure out what the hell this is. Um, And then he ends up meeting with uh, what the fuck is his name? He's played by John Houston. So yeah. So basically she, so she hires him to investigate the death of her husband. And then shortly after that, her dad, hires him to find the mistress so now there's kind of dueling motives and there's like a weird father-daughter uh split that we learn more about later and that was a 
a bizarre turn that I did not see coming. Yeah, me neither. That one definitely fucking knocks the wind out of you. And to Jack Nicholson, I mean, he's hitting money both ways there, especially with this guy, Noah Cross, this this older gentleman. He's like fucking like filthy rich uh, character, so like tycoon level. So I think at that point, like Jack Nicholson, he's trying to do the right thing and he's intrigued by what he knows something's fucked up's going on. But he also can't shy away from the fact that it's like this could be an even huger payday than I thought if I can play this just right, you know? Um, and it ends up yeah, and he, almost and, costing him everything. Even, well, and even beyond the money, I I just got the feeling that he knew the entire time, like, everybody is lying to me. There's more going on beyond beyond just like, oh, shit, I'm going to get, my right hand's going to get paid while my left hand is getting paid, you know? Definitely... Uh, I didn't. I didn't do very much research about this at all because I, I literally just finished it a couple hours ago. But one of the things I read said that originally there was supposed to be a like voiceover internal monologue the entire uh-huh. time that sort of uh, spoon fed you what he was thinking and and the clues as they came up. Right. Which I'm I'm gl- I'm glad they did away with because it made it that much more impactful. Where he's like, you know, he would drop some bit of knowledge or some line where it's like, oh shit, you know, without without sort of telegraphing it beforehand, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. You learn along with Jack Nicholson as he learns and you're like, Oh shit. And he's like, Oh fuck. You know, like you, you're, you're finding all these things. You, he's, he's, tra- he's tracking these leads and these clues come up and you're learning it right alongside him. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. And that's, they did the same thing in uh, blade runner also, which is one of your favorite movies. Um, oh God. They had a voiceover for that too, and Harrison Ford was like, he was bitching and moaning about that. He's like, shouldn't I be doing actual detecting in this film and portray it instead of fucking talk about it? And then the audience can learn along with me as I do those things. So yeah, I'm glad that they did that too, because I think that's part of the the draw to this movie too. Is like you're right with this guy, and like you, I think. Uh, they also went so far to like Jack Nicholson's in every scene and you're meant to like be like his shadow basically throughout this entire story. Um, and they even went to links where they would film like right over his shoulder when you can't see Jack Nicholson, but he's, and then it'll like zoom back and it's like he, he's talking to someone or he's doing something. Um, so they went to great links to make it, you know, through his kind of viewfinder and it is, uh, good that they they scrapped that. I hate fucking voiceovers and shit like that. It's irritating. Like you don't need to be fucking spoon fed all this information. Um, yeah, I think so, it, I think it has its place, but it's got to be. It's it's. I'm very particular about it. It's you know like like Shawshank. Yeah, that's got great. That's got great voiceover where it's not like. Hey, you're too stupid to figure out what the fuck is going on, or or stay engaged with a story that might be moving kind of slowly. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of just tell you all the subtext. Yeah, right. Yeah, up that's front. But, that's yeah. a great example of it working for the story and like, yeah. Especially you get all those choice nugs from Morgan Freeman throughout. <laughs> like, um, yeah. All right, so I guess so we're not stringing this fucking thing out um you want to just cut right into like the meat of of this story i guess let's talk to you about the thing that kind of like the orange groves and the water that, so the that kind so of the stuff. husband 
so Hollis, so he wasn't actually having an affair because he knew it was her sister right. daughter. Right, exactly. So he's just like okay. out of the kindness Hanging of out. his heart, like he he like cares about this kid because that kid's placed in like that's got to be such a fucked up weird situation, you know? That's potentially like super damaging to one's psyche, you know? So I I took yeah. that as him just being a good guy and like trying to like give her because the, like, she's probably what 15 16 if she said that she had her when she was 15 ish yeah yeah that, that tracks. Right? okay if she's portraying what her real life age that sounds about right she's like early 30s so yeah the kid looks to be between like i don't know 14 or 17 but yeah i took that as him like just like being a nice dude and trying to like give her the best quality of life and shielding her from this really fucked up scenario. So I guess without beating around the bush any longer, we come to find out that um, uh, Noah Cross, played by John Houston, this old fucking crusty fucker, uh, has raped uh, his own daughter and to the point where uh, he impregnated her with his child. And it's a really key, like, awesome scene towards the end, like... Maybe awesome is not the right word, but um, <laughs> it's it fucking grabs you like when so Jack Nicholson's finally he's like had it up to here with the line and like he's like I need to know what the fuck's going on and he liter quite literally beats it out of um, Faye Dunaway, which I mean I can see this like we're in the 30s you know so uh, women used to get slapped around like that I assume um, but yeah he. She's, he's he's screaming at her like who is this girl he, it's like the centerpiece of all this in his mind he's, and she's like she's my sister and then he, he's like don't lie to me and he fucking loses it smacks her and then she's like she's my daughter and then he's like you bitch fucking smacks her again <laughs> she's my sister and my daughter and then that's when he's like oh fuck like well it was what I thought was funny about it is because she had up until this point been saying it was her sister and so he smacks her and she's like it's my daughter smacks her again it's my sister smacks her again daughter and he does it like two or three times and she okay. just keeps toggling back and forth and then i think he just gave her one one last good one and she, and then that's when she's like it's my sister and my daughter and from watching it it went from like oh this is kind of funny to like ooh ooh cuz yeah, oh, yeah you're you're doing the math like oh no yeah so yeah so yeah that's super fucked up but it's crazy too because that's that's like only one piece like that's fully fleshed out of this like rubik's cube of other shit going on um but it's it's tied into it because they wanted to keep that obviously hush hush you know and no one to find out about that but um so he finds out about that and I, I think just before that too, he finds out that um like there's this Albacore club where there's they're just these it's like a nursing home for like the ultra rich or you know, widows of um really rich and powerful men in LA. And he stumbles across across this uh conspiracy that Hollis and Noah Cross were into. Basically, so they were deliberately diverting water from these key areas of farmland in like you know i think it's probably be like the san fernando valley is the area uh that we're targeting um 
in LA. So the the people holding the keys, it's like total conflict of interest to you know disseminating who gets water, who gets it where. They're they're purposefully turning off that spigot to these key areas that should be rich farmland. And then when those farms and those areas run dry and unsustainable, they're able to come back and swoop back through like these dead people from this Al Albacore club um, and buy in their name. And they'll be able to pick up these lots and these parcels of land like pennies on the dollar. So it's like a shell game where they, they so it can never get traced back to this Noah Cross character. But Jack Nicholson, so, being a badass gumshoe, he connects all these dots and figures out, like, oh, fuck. So my, my confusion comes from, I thought the Albacore Club was like that fishing, I don't know if you would call it like a, I guess like you could yacht, just call it a club. It's like a yacht club. Right. Uh, but then the nursing home, where because he noticed like the names on all these deeds had recently been changed, and they're all either dead people or old people that are residing at this nursing home. And the connection between the Albacore Club and that nursing home is where I was having a little bit of a disconnect of, you know, because that, that old lady's doing the like knitting or whatever. And she's like, mm -hmm. oh, we got that from the Albacore Club. Yeah. But I don't I don't really remember what uh, the dad's connection to the Albacore Club was, if that was ever really fully established or if i'm just i don't know i just took that as like off the, my own ass maybe he owned that club and so that's okay. how he had the access to those people and like maybe they were like former colleagues or i don't know but yeah so that's another huge piece in in all of this and I guess tying it all together too is this, so it seemed like Hollis had been the guy who was murdered at the beginning of the film. He he was in on all of this, maybe against his own against his will, like he didn't want to participate, but he felt like there was no other avenue or like he had to play along with this. Um, and then it seems like you know he's just I'm done, you know, like I've I've had it up to here playing ball, and then. Like he knows about all all these things that could just bring this you know huge tycoon dude Noah Cross to his knees and you know it it blow the lid off of all kinds of like fucked up you know corruption and and all these deals with the water rights and it would it would affect you know it'd be it'd be felt citywide so that's why he was taken out. Um, yeah, he wasn't gonna just go along with it. Right. So yeah, if you haven't seen this film. And you've already listened to this. I mean, it's it's a it's total trip. Like you have to, like the experience, the whole the journey through this whole thing. And we're we've skipped a couple things uh, that are pretty big or key. Um, and it's I, it's very topical too. So I I highly recommend even if you've listened to this just because you wanted to listen to the show and didn't feel like watching the film. I think it's definitely one uh, some you guys should check out because it's it's it lives up to the hype. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Even after hearing about it for fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those ones you can't really overhype. Like, it's just 
it's got everything in spades. Like the acting's fucking excellent, the cinematography, the score, uh, the story is fucking awesome. You know, uh, I really like Jack. Like Jack Nicholson, he kind of at first I didn't know how to like gauge him, but there's a couple points it's like, dude, he's fucking badass. Like he's he's yeah. with it. You know, like he gets his fucking nose sliced and like dude, that that was so fight, yeah. nuts. You know, a uh, piece of trivia that that dude who has kind of the funny accent—that's a cameo from the director Roman Polanski. When he, the dude, oh uh, really? The little French guy. Yeah, he's, what's he call him? He calls him a a nosy kitty or something like that. What does he call him? It's like you know what we do with kitty yeah. cats, and he comes up and he fucking just he sticks his butterfly knife or bl- really sharp blade, switchblade, up yeah. his nose and fucking zoinks out and. Yeah, splits. So from that point on, Jack Nicholson's wearing like this fucking like Horace Grant, early '90s era like <laughs> face mask, like gauzed up thing on his nose. Uh, yeah, that was the director uh, Roman Polanski. Um, so I guess uh, there there are some really cool pieces of trivia. All there's a fuck ton. So I'll just I'll keep it to the the salient points, but. Um, and I know you just watched this, so this will, this will probably be fun for you to learn along with. But um, are you familiar with uh, Angelica Houston? She, she she played Morticia in the Adams Family. Yes. The, yes. The reboots from the early '90s. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. She also played alongside Bill Murray in the Life Aquatic. Eleanor. Um, yeah. She is uh, John Houston's daughter, and John Houston was the guy, the old crusty uh, pedophile fuck Noah Cross. Oh, film. gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of, and during the time of filming, Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston uh, were dating. They they had been in a pretty. They just started a long relationship. It ended up turning out to be a long relationship. Um, so the piece of trivia is that the time of filling this made this made his scenes with uh, her father john houston uncomfortable especially as the only time angelica was on the set was the day where they're filming the scene where noah cross interrogates jack nicholson's character where he asks him do you sleep with my daughter oh that's <laughs> funny yeah <laughs> synchronicity yeah that um, is funny um the yeah, and he did have a funny like smirk on his face when he asked him that. He's like, "Just say no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I forgot too. Yeah, like we get to the point too where like Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway are in cahoots and they start, you know, sniffing each other out and they end up banging. And uh, I felt like that was kind of like thrown together, but who knows? You know, you're in like stressful situation like life and death kind of like you're onto some weird shit you know you need to fucking get a little tip drill in so um yeah they banged yeah, out yeah and she, she seemed to be a i don't know if you can hear my cat she's now she's now back to being my friend um <laughs> i mean she she definitely seemed like kind of a salute in the movie so it's really not that <laughs> surprising that she would want to bang but would you yeah uh, Come on, she's a handsome woman. <laughs> there, there's just something about the teeth, man. Yeah. I, I, she's got I like actually a... looked her up, and I, I think she's had 
a lot of dental work done because her yeah. teeth look better better now than they did. She had kind of like a Madonna Madonna gap going on. Um, no, they just look they just look like dark and oh problematic. <laughs> like smoker like teeth they, or something. Yeah, they they look like the teeth of an eighty year old smoker. Uh, I guess so. The director Roman Polanski and Jack Nicholson got uh, uh, didn't get along very well in this film, uh, and then it got to the point they got into such a heated argument that Roman Polanski smashed Jack Nicholson's portable television on set with a mop, uh, which this was near and dear to Jack Nicholson because he's you know he's like a big huge Laker fan. He's been a lifelong Laker fan. So mm-hmm. he, I guess he would keep, he would hold up shooting like if there was a game going on and he'd be in his fucking trailer like I gotta finish the fucking Laker game so um, I thought that was pretty funny and I guess Faye Dunaway and Rome, Roman Polanski were not uh, were not bosom buddies on this film either uh, I guess during during one scene uh or one at one point during the filming, Roman Polanski pulled out some strands of Faye Dunaway's hair. Um, and on another occasion, when she asked him, you know, what's my character's motivation? He got super riled and said, just say the fucking words. Your salary is the motivation. That's pretty hardcore. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. Um, I didn't think, I didn't think actors actually said that. I always thought that was like a cliche like joke that people would make about actors like what's my motivation here yeah well it's i mean it's got to come from somewhere um what do you think about the ending of this i know some people have problems with the ending um my only problem with the ending i i don't have a problem with bummer endings mm-hmm. i i'm actually kind of a little relieved when movies don't really take the easy way out and everything is like happy ending and everything works out and is right. all loose ends are tied up. But my, my only not, I wouldn't even say problem. The only time during the whole movie, I was like, Oh, I don't know about that is when she drives away and the cop is able to shoot her in a moving car. Like from like, yards 50, away. from like, uh, even dude, even if it's like fifty yards, the chance of you, if you if you put a moving target fifty yards away with a handgun, yeah, good fuck, good luck, yeah. like that is, especially unreal. A, a, a life ending headshot like that. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I didn't really have any issue. It was super creepy when. Uh, when he's like, "I'm your father," and he's like, <laughs> "Dude, that part." It was it was super out. creepy at the at, like at the very end when the grandpa grandpa daddy dad grandpa. is like shuffling shuffling her away. Yeah, like oh god, what? yeah, he's gonna fucking rape her too. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah, they're just like, "Well, that's Chinatown." <laughs> yeah, For, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Yeah. Hell of, of the... hell of a shot, though. But yeah. what, but what was weird, like, so the the cops they still thought that she had killed her husband, right? So why would they let Jack Nicholson go if they? Yeah, it's if... a good point. I think that's one of my gripes. Every I kind of because there's so many moving parts and pieces. Like once I always get to the end, I I think I've said that same thing. It's like he's just like, 
All right, I'm going to go have a smoke and turn in for the night. Yeah, they don't fucking do anything to him. When they just, like, indiscriminately blasted this woman with child in a moving car. With a lot of people, like, in a downtown, like, busy street. And it's like, this. he's yeah. just, yeah, I'm good. Well, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to justify the shooting based on, hey, we think this woman murdered her husband. She just shot this fucking old guy. Now she kidnapped the kid and she's driving away. I can buy them thinking like, well, we've got Quigley down under over here. Who's a great (laughs) shot and thinks he can take her out. So he's going to take the chance of shooting her. Like, okay, yeah, I can buy that. If, if you really thought she was that serious of a threat to the public, but then after she's dead, the, the guy who helped her get away, it's like, have a good night. Like, wait, you can't have it both ways, yeah. you know? But I wouldn't even consider that a criticism, just a, a thought. Um, another interesting piece of information, and this other one, I actually just picked this up from watching. I watched a Red Letter Media review on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like totally separate from this. But um, fun, so, yeah. So I think you'd like. <laughs> have you ever heard of Red Letter Media? I think you'd like those guys. I'll I'll have to turn you in, turn you on to them uh, outside of this. But anyway, they did a review. I was of, I was more mocking Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Have you ever seen that? Uh, maybe I don't know. Oh. Christ, it's good, man. You like Bob? Ho- You're a Bob Hoskins guy, aren't you? Who's that? Smee from Hook. Okay, yeah. Uh, Mario Mario from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my god! Alongside John Leguizamo. And Luigi end Mario. of resume or end of resume or what? Oh no, dude! Bob Hoskins is fucking. He's been in tons of shit. He's awesome. Um. Anyway, so the this was supposed to be a planned trilogy, Chinatown. Uh, so the the writer Robert. Oh, Town, really? Yeah. So the writer uh, Robert Town, he had this whole master plan with Jack Nicholson that, like, yeah, we're gonna make this a trilogy, and it's gonna be like about you know power struggle intrigue in 30s and 40s LA. So they they actually. There's actually a sequel. Did you know there's a sequel to Chinatown? No. It's called The Two Jakes. It was made in 1990, uh, and it's directed by Jack Nicholson. I think it's one of his. I think he's only done a handful of films where he's actually directed them and starred. But um, so the the second one, The Two Jakes, is about like uh, like land rights, like real estate corruption in LA in the 40s, hmm. like early forties. So I think it takes place like eight years later or something like that. Um, like Elysian fields. So it's, it's not that great of a movie. It really isn't. It That's doesn't too have, bad. Yeah. Har- Harvey Keitel's in it. Um, he's pretty good. Jack Nicholson's a lot older. He, I mean, they made the sequel like 24 years later, 26 years later. And he was supposed to have only aged eight years. So he looks like night and day different from what he looks like in Chinatown versus the two Jakes. Um, Hmm. So, and then the third part, which was supposed to, so it was water rights was Chinatown, real estate corruption uh, in the two Jakes. And then the third, they were supposed to do um, 
uh, corruption in the public transportation uh, sector of LA. But what's interesting is, so like that third part kind of got floated around, kicked around different scripts, and then it got piecemealed out. And it actually makes up a huge chunk of um, the main overarching theme of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And they actually even used the, um, it was a corrupt company called uh, Cloverleaf. And that was the actual name that they had in the original script for the third Plant Chinatown sequel. Um, and it, it was corruption involving buying up all the public transportation in order to replace it with freeways. Because I guess LA at that time had like the best public transportation system in the world. Like you could get anywhere on like trolleys and buses and trains and everything. And that actually, it's kind of funny that actually happened in real life because now you think about California gridlock and you think of LA and all these fucking freeways and everything. Like people being, yeah, and their public transportation is non existent down there now. Right. So it has some real life parallels there too. So it's just funny that 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 piece got kicked around through Hollywood over the years and got made. And it actually was made before the two Jakes, before the sequel, which was made in 1990. They made Roger Rabbit in 1988. I always thought the Who Framed Roger Rabbit was like a kid's movie. No, it's actually pretty. There's some parts that are pretty dark, actually. Um, Yeah, I'd say, like, you could watch it right now. There's some kiddie stuff, and they have tunes and stuff in it grafted in with like actual yeah. filming people but no it's it's great yeah i think you'd like it did um, you uh did you ever watch the wire i watched all of season one and then season two is when they're in like maryland and they're at the like the port baltimore like the dock workers and everything well they're all they're all in maryland Right, right. Baltimore. So the, the first one, but is, the second one is when they're in the port. Yeah, yeah. The first one's like the focus is the, the um, like the drug houses and what what is it called like, though? I'm blanking on the fucking the projects. And then season yeah. two is the port. I think I got like halfway through season two. Oh man, uh, you should really revisit it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I got so to the good. point where they take out like the fat guy. Or the oh okay the yeah larger, that part the, the larger gentleman like when they kill him I think that's the sure. last thing I can remember. Anyway, <laughs> I do I love the first season a lot. Like uh, Bonk is fucking the man. It's such a good show. And Jimmy, yeah, I like him a lot. Um, yeah, I need to get back on it, finish it out. Uh, yeah, so that that whole trilogy concept is is pretty pretty interesting yeah that, that's too bad it's too bad it never worked out because i mean if if they were anything like the first one i would have really enjoyed watching them yeah yeah the second one total you can not even you can pretend it doesn't even exist it's pretty bad um but yeah i would highly I mean, recommend because the things we've talked about is like message movies that are such a bummer mm-hmm. i mean this this movie had a message but it wasn't a bummer Right, like it's a tough balance to like take on a real topic without without nice without being like a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, you know, pushing that message super hard. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it's just it's too bad. Yeah, I will say, give give uh, old Roger Rabbit a fair shake. 
I think it's uh, I think it's worth a watch for sure. Um, yeah, I like I like how much like real life stuff is grafted into this film film, and how you know it's still topical to this day as we've talked about. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a great movie all the way around. I'm glad you liked it. So I was right all those years, and I was like, you gotta fucking check out. I know. Chinatown. Told you. Even with all the the overselling, it still exceeded my expectation. So awesome! I'm a, you've got I'd a good my, you've got a good track record going. My my batting average, yeah, I was about to say my batting average is pr- I'm gotta be like seven seventy five or like eight something. I would say right now. I think the only bad apple has been really bad one. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah, and, and I, I I can't. I would even put that on me. I wouldn't even say. It's a, I wouldn't even say like, I think it was a bad movie. It's like, I just didn't like it. So, yeah, I will say, I think if you ever find yourself wanting to give uh, Blade Runner 2049 a shake one of these days, uh, I think watching that makes it, it divides a lot of people, but I, I think it will give you something um, back for like the first entry, the first Blade Runner. Okay. I think they, they, they mesh together pretty well. It gives like a, it gives you a better, bigger context, and maybe maybe you would appreciate the first one a little bit more, but maybe not. Who knows? Um, I won't I won't dismiss it out of hand. All right, fair enough. Is there anything else you wanted to broach or talk about? Quick hitter about no. blue uh, Chinatown. No, I don't think so. I would okay. I would definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you would have listened to this whole thing if you hadn't seen it, but some people do that. I, I, I do that sometimes on certain films where I'm like really on the fence or like I have no interest, but maybe it'd be fun to like hear these people shit on something. And then, I'm yeah, like, oh, maybe that does sound kind of interesting because I'm able to. Well, there's, pretty... there's there's definitely a lot more to the story than we covered. So, oh, yeah, there's if what we if what, <laughs> yeah, a lot more fucking chunks that. Yeah. And like watching it from beginning to end is like a complete story. Like the the full effect. Like I, I think it, like the arc and the journey that you go on in this film. It's just like e- each scene feeds into one another. And then like the end. Like some people have issues with the ending, but even if you didn't like like what happens to the people at the ending, like I, I think it's uh, it's just a really fun ride all the way through. So did you have a preconceived kind of like notion what, about like older films before you saw this? Like, yeah, I'm not into that kind of shit. Uh, kind of, not really, because I, I I have seen some old movies that I really like. What what's the general issue that people have with the ending? Just that it's kind of a bummer, or yeah, like that they don't like because that Faye Dunaway's been through so much and like had so much shit happen to her, and she it seems like. You know, like Jack Nichols is genuinely cares about her and is like into her. So like maybe there's a happy ending there in in all this fucked up shit that happens for her. Um, also, I think people there's some people too that have gripes about like like the mechanics, like how she was shot and like kind of the stuff that we touched on too. I, I know Jack Nicholson's come out and said he he didn't extrapolate on it, but he said that he he's not satisfied with the ending of this film. Oh, interesting. End unquote. Um, 
Yeah. Hmm. So, okay, cool. So that'll do it for us in Chinatown. Um, yeah, this is one that, like, yeah, I had these preconceived notions about older films, and it definitely, it turned me on to a bunch of, like, I watched a bunch of, I think that's right when I got into, like, uh, like the old spaghetti westerns are a good entry, too. Like, when you start going into, like, obviously, like, the Clint Eastwood films, like the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, Fistful of Dollars, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Man with No Name trilogy. Um, never seen them. I got into, oh, fuck. You, you really have never seen any of the old Clint Eastwood films? Dude. They're, like, the first one, um, Fistful of Dollars, is fucking badass. Like, it's dope. Like, there's some, like, cinematography shit that's, like, it, like, there's no way to should we that, like, Should we do that one next time, or? Uh, we could. Want to keep it rolling on, like, an old school kick? Yeah, may as well. I mean, we could check to see if it's available. Yeah, if you haven't seen Fistful of Dollars, or, yeah, Fistful of Dollars, because the second one is for a few dollars more. That one's fucking badass, too. Every, I think I feel like everyone talks about, like, the good, bad, and the ugly. I think just because that name kind of sticks out. It is a really good yeah. story, too. <clears throat> but I feel like it gets, I, for my money, I prefer the first two. Um, okay. But anyway, yeah, I think Fistful of Dollars would be a fun one to watch. He's got a couple others too, like High Plains Drifter is really good. Um, that turned me on. There's another one uh, with uh, Warren Beatty called McCabe and Miss Miller that I have on the list. That's another one. Oh, okay. Like yeah. A huge like gut punch and like it it's it made me feel similarly to after watching Chinatown. Like it even it, then I started watching some old old like Paul Newman films from like the fifties and shit and like like HUD. Uh, and I saw like you know Cool Hand Luke. Um, yeah. That movie of, sucks. No. Yeah, I didn't like it. You didn't like yeah. Quinn Luke? Fuck you. No, nah, I thought it was fucking stupid. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you. Uh... It's been a while. Oh, get it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all no right. context. <laughs> yeah. I had. To, I felt like I had to get it in there somewhere. Call Guinness. <laughs> um, all right, so let's shoot for, unless it's... Uh, Hard to come by. Let's shoot for a fistful of dollars. Um, Sounds good. If anybody's I think got I any questions, find it. Okay. If anybody's got any questions for us or wants to chime in on Chinatown, have you seen it? Have you not? Uh, shoot us an email at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com, or you can reach out to us on our socials. Instagram is waxing the porpoise or Twitter at waxing the porp. Um, feel free to leave us a rating or a review. Any final thoughts? Um, I didn't understand the Chinaman joke in the movie. I don't know if you did. I I, I think it was just to... Uh, just to make it uncomfortable for the... Well, and first of all, too. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Asian American, please. Walter. Uh, this isn't a guy who was building the fucking railroads. Um, Great.
great timing. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, it's just a long-winded joke of so long of, and not funny of the of the wife like coming out with it that she's fucking sleeping with another dude. Like, oh, okay. you fuck just like a okay. child. <laughs> I okay. love. I love how much of a kick Jack Nicholson gets from telling that joke. (laughs) And then the juxtaposition of the fucking woman right behind him. That's like, and they're the whole time. They're like, Hey, come on. She's right behind. Like, and you're telling like this (laughs) filthy fucking like lewd joke. like super long, way too long. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead and (laughs) wrap it up. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you guys uh, as always for joining us and, We will see you next time. Bye. Yours. Yours. It's just been revoked.